Trick or treat. Oh, goodness me. Look at all of you. What do we have here? I am a vampire. Oh, that you are, sir, that you are. And what about you? I'm a fairy princess. Well, beg my pardon, your majesty. And what about you, little one? I'm... I'm a... Out with it, boy. I'm a... I'm a policeman. Oh, a policeman. Very impressive indeed. Well, officer, I bet I know what you all want. Candy! Yay! Candy? Come now, children. You can do better than that. I have something much more delicious. What do you mean, mister? What I have here is a special bonus episode of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. In honor of Halloween 2022, this episode will feature two stories of Halloween thrill seekers getting much more than they bargained for. And dear listener, if this episode ends and you still find yourself in search of more spooky goodness, please be sure to check out last week's episode, which featured the longest original story I've ever written. If you already heard it, then mosey on down to the Nope Too Creepy YouTube channel and check out the first ever on-location video I've made where I not only give you the story of a local haunted cemetery, but I actually go there. Well, I attempt to, at least. It's a long story. Check it out if you're interested. Anyway, enough of the plugs. Let's begin with this first tale. This one follows an online shopper named Carrie, who is preparing for Halloween and is in need of a terrifying mask. Well, she finds one, and let's just say Halloween may not be as fun as she hoped it would be. Written by Reddit user Xylenis. Damn, that's a dope name. I ho- hopefully I said it right. Here is, I ordered a Halloween mask on Etsy but it's frighteningly realistic. I was sitting at my desk, staring at my computer and surfing the internet. I know Halloween is basically two months away, but still, it's better to just have everything beforehand. I'm big on eBay and Etsy, you know, supporting small businesses and all that. So, after spending like 20 minutes on eBay and finding nothing I liked, I went on to Etsy. The first thing I typed into the search bar was scary masks and then waited for results. I scrolled down a bit. 
Then I came across a profile with a picture I recognized from an artist I liked. I clicked on the picture and watched as my screen switched itself to their profile. I assumed by their name that this was a guy, Brandon Goner. I looked at his About Me page and it said he made masks and props. I clicked away and looked over his profile a little more. He followed nobody, and he also had no followers. His favorited shops were public, and the only thing that he had favorited was a knife shop. He also had two collections of his own products. One was labeled masks, and the other props. I clicked on masks and began to scroll through. All of the masks were what seemed to be human and animal faces, all made with surprising detail. Unlike the human ones, the animal masks seemed to be made to give off an appearance of being stretched. Honestly, it kind of creeped me out how realistic they were. As if he had actually stretched the face of a real animal. I singled out one of the masks, a mask that appeared to be the face of a man, with rugged cream skin and a scar dragging itself along the cheek. Freckles were littered across the face, and it had light stubble. Again, the attention to detail was incredible, and it would be great for a costume that I had in mind. I quickly got my credit card from my drawer and bought the mask. When I had officially confirmed the order, I wasn't expecting to get a message from Brandon. Thanks for your purchase. You're my first buyer. Oh, no problem. I just needed a mask for Halloween, and yours looked pretty cool. I'm going to throw in a few extra treats for you. A couple of props, maybe and an animal mask, since you were so kind. You really don't have to. You should sell those. No, no. I need them off my back. They're taking up space in my apartment. After that, I didn't reply. I waited with anticipation until my package came the following Monday. The box was bigger than I expected. It was a plain cardboard box with no stickers or writing at all, which was strange, but I knew it had to be my order. I wasn't expecting anything else. But the smell was even stranger. I could smell it before I even opened the box. It was putrid and sour. I tried to breathe through my mouth, but I could taste it on my tongue, so I immediately closed my mouth. I sat down on my couch, package in my lap, and a knife by my side. As I drug my knife through the tape, my roommate came up behind me, his hand gripping the couch. Hey, Carrie. He looked over my shoulder. What is that? 
I drug my knife through the rest of the tape and opened the box. Oh, nothing. Just some stuff I got for Halloween. The mask I had originally ordered was on top of everything else. Nothing was wrapped, just lazily thrown on top of each other. I spotted a cat mask underneath my human one, making itself quite noticeable with its orange fur. I picked up the human mask and examined it. There were threads in the cheeks connecting themselves behind the face, which was probably so I could put it on and wear it just like a normal mask. I ran my hands over the cheeks and immediately drew back. It felt like real skin. Like my skin. Freaky, Jaden said, leaning over the couch. I know, right? I said, turning my head to look at him. His mouth was turned down into a frown, and his eyebrows were furrowed. That looks super real. What else is in there? You got props? He reached over my shoulder and pulled out a human hand from the box and then dropped it immediately. Ew. He drew his hand back and wiped it on the couch like it had something on it. What is that made out of? I have no idea. Weird, right? I grabbed the mask and waved it jokingly in front of Jaden's face, earning a loud groan and an eye roll. He shoved my hand away and looked at me again. That smells like literal shit. Are you seriously going to wear it? Duh. I'll just wipe it down or something. I put the mask back in the box and closed it. I don't know what I'm going to do with all the random body parts, though. Just keep them away from me. And for the love of God, please put that in your room before it smells everything up. He called, walking over to the kitchen. I should just put it in your room. It already reeks of weed and B.O. I told him as I stood up, the box in my arms. It does not he said, opening the fridge. Whatever, I mumbled, walking to my room. I put the box in my closet, pushing it over to the top shelf above my clothes. I really hoped it wouldn't stink up my closet or my clothes. I went to my bed and sat down, pulling out my phone and checking my notifications. The local news app I was subscribed to had posted a new article. It was headlined, Man Found Dead in Park. Police say it's the most gruesome thing they've ever seen. I continued to read the article. At 6.22 a.m., the police got a call from a woman going out on a jog. Upon the arrival of police, she claims to have spotted a leg poking out of a bush and went to check on whoever it may have been. She found that the leg was not attached to a body, prompting her to call the police. 
At first, I thought maybe it was just a prop, like a gag someone left to freak the people out. But the smell was so bad, and it looked so real. Police searched the park and found a dead cat and a dead man. His leg was missing, matching up with the one that the jogger had found in the bushes. The police did not find a collar on the cat, nor did they find a face. The man currently remains unidentified, as his face was also missing, as well as one of his hands. The investigation will continue, and the woman will be brought in for questioning, as well as other possible suspects. They did write more, but I didn't find it necessary to post all of it. I removed the name of the park that the body was found in, I figured it wouldn't be a good idea to post the name, since it's pretty close to where I live. I know I'm probably overreacting. Like, I don't even know what the man looked like, or the cat. But it was so close to my house. And everything I received today looked so real. The coincidence is insane. And the smell is so bad. Like, it's actually rotting. As I'm writing this, I can smell the stink leaking out of my closet. I was really gonna just leave it and ignore it, but I don't know if I should take it to the police or not. A couple of minutes ago, I got this message from the seller. It's like he knew I was thinking about it. And now... I'm really regretting buying from him. Did you like the masks? Sorry about the smell, by the way. The guy I got it from really stunk. Oh, Carrie. Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. The warning signs were all there. And now your Halloween is ruined. But at least you might get over it in time. Unlike the young man in this next story. A grisly crime shakes the residents of a small, quaint town. Two best friends living in that town decide to venture into the woods to investigate the scene. On Halloween night, of course. Are they looking for answers? or just some cheap thrills for the night. Regardless, they find both, and neither will be the same ever again. Written by author J.G. Martin, a.k.a. Born Beach on Reddit, I present, I Don't Celebrate Halloween Anymore. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. What a time of year, ain't it? I still remember my first Halloween. My first real Halloween, mind you. Not the manufactured bullshit they shoveled down our throats year after year. I'm talking about All Hallows' Eve. I'm talking about Samhain. I'm talking about the one night of the year where monsters walk the earth. I was 11 years old 
when I first experienced the horror of Halloween. I'd been out with a friend, roaming the streets with bags full of wrappers and stomachs full of candy. We'd been out looking for some fun, some excitement. See, once you reach a certain age, plain old trick-or-treating doesn't really do it anymore. No, you need something special, something terrifying. I think that's why we took a stroll down Blackbriar Lane. I think that's why we went looking for the decrepit one in all his wicked glory. I think that's why I watched somebody die. But I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? Yeah, I suppose that I am. So let's rewind. Backtrack. Allow me to set the scene. It's October 31st, and the night air is crisp. The leaves are red and gold, and the neighborhood is lit up in jack-o'-lanterns and full moons. There's mischief in the air. There's murder. Earlier that week, a kid dies. They find his body floating down the river, like he's out for a swim. Except he's fully dressed, and missing his head. You ever try to identify a body without a head? Without teeth? Well, apparently, it's easy. See, little Greggy Hall had a nice mom the sort that most of us can only dream of having. And the lovely lady went ahead and stitched his name right into the side of his jacket. Just like that, we knew who was dead. Open and shut. Case closed. But what was he doing dead? Without his head, floating down the river when he should have been in bed. Was it a prank gone wrong? Maybe the poor kid slipped walking across the trestle. Or maybe, just maybe, somebody sick and twisted was out for blood, and little innocent Greggy was too good a target to pass up. Who could say? Truth is, nobody had a clue. Not the sheriff, not his mother, not a single soul in town could have told you how little Greggy came to find himself so waterlogged and pale. But here's the thing about secrets. None of them last forever. This one didn't even last the week. It was me and Andy who figured it out, late on Halloween night. We took the turn down Blackbriar Lane because that was the way you made it into Shelton Woods. And that was the place they had found Greggy Hall's decapitated corpse. Before I go any further, I want you to know that I didn't mean Greggy any disrespect. He was a good kid. A kind kid. That night, though, in the heart of October, he had become so much more than that. He'd become... A legend. A ghost story come to life. That night, Greggy Hall became the reason I don't celebrate Halloween. 
That night, I crossed Blackbriar Bridge with Andy Delton, and together the two of us walked into Shelton Woods. The trees there are like nowhere else. They're thick, almost so thick they press in on each other like blades of grass, smothering for space. Once you step beneath the Shelton canopy, it really doesn't matter if the moon is crescent or full as the sun, you're not going to see a damn thing. It's dark in there, desperately so. We used our flashlights to navigate, doing our best to not tear our costumes on the branches as we passed. My mother spent all month sewing my Dracula outfit, and Andy had saved up half a year's allowance for his Spider-Man getup. We weren't about to walk out of there full of rips and holes. No way. But we had work to do. See, Andy and I knew something about Shelton. That not the sheriff, or Greggy's mother, or even the pastor knew. We knew that Greggy Hall had been talking about hearing voices in the woods on the way home from school. We knew he'd seen something watching him from the trees. We knew all of this because his sister, Sally, was in our grade, and she told us about how religious their mother was, how fanatical. She told us her mother once convinced the pastor to drag Sally into those woods and perform an exorcism on her. She told us her mother's paranoia was starting to wear off on poor little Greggy. So, when Greggy started talking about hearing voices, seeing things, we thought it was just nonsense, make-believe. After all, he wasn't describing seeing a man, woman, or animal in the trees. He was describing a something, a monster. He was describing seeing a nightmare come to life, and even out here, in this little slice of nowhere on the edge of the map, we knew that monsters were not real. Or, at least we thought we did. But then, pop goes little Greggy's head, and the next thing you know, we're fast believers. So fast, in fact, that we brought the news straight to the police. Guess what happened then? They chucked our statements into a drawer and told us they'd look into it. First, the damn pastor wants to ban access to Shelton Woods, and now kids are saying it's haunted. We heard them laughing all the way up until the doors closed behind us. Town full of nut jobs. No, it was up to us. We thought about inviting Greggy's sister along, but we knew she wanted time alone. Time to mourn her brother, and that was fine by us. This whole thing... This little investigation of ours was just a scouting mission anyway. We weren't expecting to encounter the creature that stalked Greggy Hall from the trees. We weren't expecting to fight for our lives. But then, these things rarely go according to plan. We spent an hour roaming Shelton before we realized we were lost. 
We'd been trying to follow the river. But at one point, Andy swore he heard muttering coming from over the hill. And so the two of us clambered up it to investigate. All we found was old pine trees and empty darkness. We turned around to circle back, but the river was gone, vanished. We did our best to retrace our steps. We even followed our noses, hoping we could smell the stink of the town sewage that ran into the river, but it was no use. The river was lost. And so were we. We walked for 10, maybe 15 minutes before the sounds of the forest died. The shifting of branches, the pitter-patter of rodents darting across the dirt, the buzz of mosquitoes, and even the trill of crickets all turned to silence. It was like somebody had hit the switch on a stereo. Instant quiet. Andy and I stopped to listen, to observe, and we saw something shift in the trees. A large figure, maybe twice the size of a man, with round white eyes and a long, twisting neck, was perched above us on a thick branch. It clicked at us. At first we thought it was speaking, trying to communicate, but then we realized the clicking was not coming from its face, it was coming from its hands. Its fingers, long and crooked, seemed to splinter into separate appendages. On either one of its hands were fans of hundreds of fingers, each gripping the tree branches while their nails picked away at the bark beneath. That picking was making the clicking sound. Its fingers were. Andy tried to speak to it. He tried to ask what it was doing here, to ask whether or not it was the thing that killed poor little Greggy Hall, as though there were any doubt in our minds. At that moment, the monster's fingers gripped the branch with such force that the entire thing snapped in two. The creature began plummeting to the earth like a giant, and I thought maybe our work would be done and gravity would put an end to it. But it let out a shrill shriek and flapped its many-fingered hands like wings and pressed itself up into the air. It shrieked again, and its eyes, once white and round, became an acid painting of colors, horrible and bright and anguished. There weren't any reds or purples or greens. There were only the colors of blood, of bruises, of bile. It screeched again and then swooped toward us. My heart thundered as I threw myself to the ground, but the thing, whatever it was, caught Andy in its grip. It caught him by his head 
and two feet that resembled human jaws more than anything else. They were covered in white teeth, and it was at that moment that I knew I would never see my friend again, and I think he knew it too. Andy shook and hollered. He screamed and shouted, but all of it was only for the span of six seconds. Because not a moment later, the thing clenched its jaws, its feet, causing Andy's head to split open like a jack-o'-lantern, his insides splattering me like a water balloon. I had to go. I turned, running full tilt from this thing. I didn't know where I was running. I didn't even know if I could reasonably run anywhere that this monster couldn't reach me. But I knew I had to try. I had to. Because if I didn't, I would end up just like Andy. Just like Greggy. As my feet pounded the earth, my heart pounded my chest. I ripped off my Dracula cloak, terrified of it tripping me up on an errant rock, and doubled over as my lungs burned. I'd never run so hard in my life, never so fast, and it wasn't enough, not even close. With a beat of its finger wings, the beast crashed down in front of me. It towered above me, standing over nine feet tall with its terrible technicolor eyes, swirling like promises of violence. Looking for me? It uttered in such a low, broken voice that I almost missed it. You... you, you killed Greggy... I said. It seemed a stupid, obvious thing to say after watching my best friend's head crack open like an egg. But it was all I could manage. At that moment, I was so shocked, so traumatized, that I reverted to our hypothesis, our mission. Yes, the thing said. It rose up, and now I could see it clearer. Beneath the faint scraps of moonlight that pierced the veil of leaves, I bore witness to a monster with saucer-shaped eyes, a set of long arms ending in lesions of decrepit fingers, and two legs that each hosted a mouth where there should have been feet. It stepped toward me, walking on its teeth. Who... Who are you? I asked, swallowing. Are you... Him? The decrepit one? It took a breath. A long, harsh breath. That sounded like it might have gurgled razor blades in its lungs. When it spoke... It breathed out cold air onto me. I am you. It took another tooth-filled step, and I staggered backwards. My world spun, 
but I wasn't sure if that was because of my fear, my grief at losing Andy, or the awful kaleidoscope of horror playing out in the swirling eyes. What does that mean? It didn't respond. It reached out a hand toward me, and its eyes swirled faster and faster like a blender of madness, its teeth snapping as it took its next steps. Pelare! shouted a voice. The monster recoiled. Its long neck twisted like a snake as its eyes blinked and faded like a television reception dying in the storm. It curled into a ball, wrapping itself with its hundreds of fingers before disappearing into a gust of dead leaves. I took a breath. Above, the moon seemed to glow a little brighter, and beside me, the sound of the river returned. Crickets filled the night. The wind whistled in my ears. It was as though the world had come back into focus and I'd been pulled out of a dream. All because of... Hello? I said, wheeling about. There'd been a voice. A loud one that was commanding and full of authority and speaking a language I didn't understand. But where was... Oh, there he was, down by the river. You all right, son? The pastor asked. I shook my head. No, my friend's dead and... Yes... I see what's left of him on your shirt. The pastor paused, looking me over. What made you go looking for that creature? It killed Greggy Hall, I sputtered. We wanted proof. No such thing, not when it comes to the decrepit one. It's closer to a thought than a being of flesh and blood. You can't take pictures of it, can't record it. Believe me, I've tried. It feeds off of fear. It feeds off of people like your friend, like you, who go looking for nightmares in all the right places. If it gets strong enough, we lose. He must have registered the confusion on my face by which I mean that we die. This town, you and me, your mother and your father and your sisters and brothers, all of us fall into its deadly reverie and poof, off goes our heads. How do we stop it? We don't, or at least you don't. I do. I brought it here, after all, so it only makes sense that I should be the one to risk getting rid of it. You brought it here? Yes. When I performed the exorcism on Sally Hall, it had been living in her 
you see. Hiding. Her mother noticed it, bless her heart, and she requested I remove the being from her daughter, but it was powerful. Too powerful for me to destroy, and instead I had to compromise. Think quickly. I swallowed, the pieces beginning to line up in my head. You had to chain it here, didn't you? To this forest. The pastor nodded. It was all I could do. He sighed, put an arm around my shoulders, and told me that he'd walk me home. He explained that after what happened to Greggy, he had been petitioning the mayor to block access to Shelton Woods out of respect, to have it marked as a burial ground, a memorial. He told me there had been some pushback at the time. Folks didn't want to sacrifice a slice of forest for a single dead kid, but now that the same fate had befallen Andy, he had counted on the mayor changing his tune. And by the next week, the mayor had. That section of Shelton was closed off to everybody but investigators. Soon enough, even they quit coming through. It became a dead zone. A piece of the map that didn't exist anymore, far as anybody was concerned. The simple fact was, there were too many bad memories. Too many reminders of the horror that had taken place there. It's been years now, and I no longer celebrate Halloween. I can't. It reminds me of Andy, of little Greggy, and the decrepit one, with all of its fingers. For a moment there, I thought I'd actually move past all of this and left it behind. But then tonight, I saw something from my window that sent my blood cold. Amidst the shifting clouds of the black Halloween sky, framed in the light of the moon, was a large bird. A bird with a thousand fingers on either hand and feet lined with teeth. A bird flying away from Shelton Woods. A bird flying towards the town. Thank you for joining me in the Halloween 2022 episode of the No Too Creepy podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the authors, links to connect with them can be found in the show notes. Oh, and the author of the second story, J.G. Martin, has a book on Amazon titled Crooked Antlers. If you want to check it out, a link for that will also be provided. Before we go... I just want to wish everyone a happy, fun, and safe Halloween weekend. Remember to keep your wits about you. Always be aware of your surroundings. Keep an eye on your friends and loved ones. And, like I tell you every year, stay hydrated. 
one water for every adult beverage, and you'll be fine. Probably. Until next time, this is your host, Dan David, reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Happy Halloween. Nope.